This week's episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you exclusively by Fansets. Later on in this episode, we'll have a special discount offer code just for Discovering Trek listeners. Discover a whole new universe of pin collectibles with Fansets online at fansets.com. Questions, answers, and a song for the ages. New York Comic Con didn't only give us previews of Star Trek Picard and Discovery Season 3. Not only was this season's first short trek streaming on the day of the trek panels, much to the delight of fans everywhere, it also took place on the Enterprise, as number one introduces a new member of the crew to the ship. You have questions, we have answers, on the first of two short treks dropping this week. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. We knew that there would be several new short treks coming our way this year, but I don't think anyone expected one available on the day of the Trek panels at New York Comic Con. And what a kickoff it was with Q&A, which gave us our our favorite Vulcan Mr. Spock arriving on the Enterprise for the very first time. There to greet him was number one, and they have an interesting discussion and a broken down turbo lift, but we'll get to the episode in just a little while. As always, this is the premiere podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about Star Trek Discovery, and between now and January 2020, we will have another five short treks to discuss here on Discovering Trek. And as we've said before, really, there is no other better time to be a Star Trek fan. And when I say we, well, this is the moment I get to introduce my trusted sidekick for this podcast. If I were stuck in a turbo lift with him, I wouldn't ask for questions. I wouldn't give answers. I'd just sit in a corner with tears in my eyes asking what I had done to deserve such punishment. In any event, he is my special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. Bill, I know last week we said we had some special stuff brewing, but uh, I don't think either of us expected that we would be talking short treks so quickly, did we? Uh, not remotely. Thanks for the intro, buddy. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I'm going to be a sidekick now. I'm going to insist on dressing like Burt Ward in Batman 66. I like that. Um, although I will take video of you sobbing in the corner, rocking gently, you know, uh, by yourself. That would be worth the price of admission alone. Well, uh, it, it would be something for everyone to see. I I think we can make that happen. Um, you know, it's not every day that we can all just be sitting in a broken turbo lift like we saw in this week's Short Trek. But uh, it, it's great to be here. Uh, like we talked about, just the fact that we have Short Treks now was really a shock to, I think, everyone in the audience at New York Comic Con, as well as us watching the Twitter feed live as it was happening. I was stunned, you know, when, when Kurtzman said it was available, I'm like, what? So, you know, I'm watching the panel on my phone because it's streaming on Facebook Live and I immediately dial up CBS All Access on the TV in my living room and I'm like, oh my God, now what do I do? Am I watching the short trek or am I watching the panel? Um, so there was a bit of a crisis there. I, I, it, it took a while to resolve. So in between the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the discovery panel and the Picard panel, I watched short treks the first time. And then I went back and watched it about four or five more times. 
<laughs> there you go. Well, I'm not one to watch TV during the day, especially on a weekend. But when you uh, sent me the message that uh, Q&A was available, I said to my wife, um, we're not going anywhere for about 15 minutes because we have something to watch. And we both watched it. We both loved it. Uh, before we get into our Q&A on Q&A, though, Bill, why don't you tell our wonderful listeners how they can get in touch with us to give us their thoughts on this week's first short trek of the season? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. On the Twitter machine, you can discover us at Discovering Trek. And in Zuckerberg land, you can follow us at Facebook.com slash Discovering Trek. And either place you can leave us comments, questions, or even your hopes for future short treks. Don't forget, you can also send us a voicemail by going to our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the giant blue button. Please do remember, though, that any comments you leave us could be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers, so if you haven't watched Star Trek's Short Trek Q&A, stop listening right now. Go on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Short Treks, spend 14 minutes and 7 seconds watching this mini-episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Q&A. All right, man, here we go. We haven't seen it for a long time. We haven't heard it for a long time, I should say. Your recaps are things of legend, but for short treks, six sentences, go. Well, there's a lot of pressure here. I I hope I can rise to the task uh, much in the same way that Ensign Spock does in this episode, but six sentences, I got this. Here we go. Ensign Spock arrives for his first day on the Enterprise. Number one welcomes him and tells him to start asking questions. They get stuck on a turbo lift for a long, 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 long time. There's lots of questions and a patter song. They get rescued. Spock takes his place on the bridge where he belongs. Boom! Six sentences in your face. Beautiful. See, that's why you're my sidekick, Bert. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to point out that Robin costume has to be about 15 sizes bigger than what Bert wore 50 years ago. So we'll we'll work on that. (laughs) Trainees, to the briefing room. Uh, So, Bill, as we gather in the briefing room to start our discussion on our first short trek of the season, let's get our high-level thoughts. For you, was Q&A a thumbs up or a thumbs down and why? And I think I know the answer. I think you do. This is thumbs up and way up at that. You know, this short really did the kind of thing that I thought these short treks should be doing all along, filling in details about characters we love. We got a little bit of that last season with The Brightest Star, and Q&A really shows us why short treks is a great concept. I think this one is executed really, really well, and I, I hope they're all in this vein this year. Yeah, I agree. I know we had a couple issues with some of the short treks last year. For me, this first one of the season is a thumbs up. It's a thumbs way up. Uh, Both thumbs. Uh, If I was Eric's in the animated series, it would be three thumbs up. Uh, What a great way to introduce the cage-like version of Spock along with number one to Star Trek fans. You know, we get to see the Discovery version of the Enterprise again, which is always a good thing because both you and I love it. 
And we get to see aspects of these characters in a way we could never really have imagined before because we only got to see number one for such a short time before. So I thought it was excellent. And I, like you, I hope the other short tracks this year are just as good as this one. I, I, I agree. I mean, last year uh, I thought it was kind of 50, 50 hit and miss this year is off to a strong start. I think that this format is probably matured since last year. Um, it was their first time last year. They only did four of them. I think that they, they understand the format better. I think this one is written well to encapsulate that sort of 15 minute time frame. And there's not any wasted moments in this, which I, th- I think is, is really kind of key. Yeah, really. That's a very good point. There is no wasted time. It's a very short amount of time, 14 minutes and seven seconds. You got to get what you need in these short treks and there's no, there's no fluff. And I thought, I thought it worked very, very well. So what we're going to do here on discovering Trek for these short treks is we're going to condense things a little bit. We're going to talk about basically just our general likes and dislikes about this, uh, about the short treks. Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, and we'll start with likes because it's always good to start on a positive note. And besides, it's really not many dislikes anyway, but anyway, I'll start off. The first thing that I liked about this episode, Bill was, Spock's grin when he was being transported from wherever he was. And I kind of thought it might've been some kind of Vulcan ship. I don't know why I thought that, but when he was being transported to the enterprise, because right from the start, we know that the writers are playing off that early version of Spock that so many people have seen before in the cage when he's grabbing the flowers and smiling. And it's never really been discussed or seen all that much unless he's been under the influence of spores or something like that. So for me, it was really good to see that aspect right off the bat. And it's something that number one picked up on instantly. And I thought that was great too. Stand by to photograph. Um, No, that just that channeling of that aspect of Spock at that age, I thought was brilliant. It's a really nice touch. It says that, you know, this is the character, you know, and he's a little rough around the edges like he was in the cage and this happens even before that. So, no, it's it's a really nice nod to what came before, and Ethan played it beautifully. Yeah, he really did. Um, my second like – actually, why don't we go for your like? We'll, we'll alternate back and forth because people like don't like to hear my voice all the time. Well, I think you have more likes than I do. I tried to keep it to three. Um, yeah, I did have a few more, yeah. It, it kind of like, you know, in the NHL games, they have like three stars. I tried to keep <laughs> it to three likes, even though I'm okay. not a big hockey fan. So, uh, my first one, I have to say, Rebecca Romaine. Um, in just under 15 minutes, we got a really great glimpse into who Commander Una is. She's incredibly intelligent. She's layered. She's complex. And apparently she's a Gilbert and Sullivan nerd, which makes me love this character and Rebecca even more. We were talking off mic just before we started recording. And uh, I, I noticed a video that was published by the Star Trek CBS Twitter um, with a video with Rebecca talking about how this element came from her. You know, Alex Kurtzman texted her and said, you know, tell us some stuff about you as they were getting ready to write this episode. And she came up with, um, well, I play badminton. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm really good at speaking foreign languages. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I love Gilbert and Sullivan. And that's how this wound up in The Short Dragon. I think that's just, uh, it's, it's perfection in that sense. It's, it's such a wonderful detail to add to the canvas of this character. That is great. And it's funny because my second like is very similar to your first like, and that's Rebecca Romaine. Simply breathtaking, I wrote down. She is so good at playing Commander Una. And like you said, she gives layers to number one, where we only get a tiny glimpse of those layers in the cage and in the menagerie. But for me here, they're much more real 
And I think that's because of Rebecca's portrayal of this character. She says it like it is. She doesn't sugarcoat. She doesn't have any fear, even when she's dealing with someone who's brand new to the crew. And she connects with that person, namely Spock, instantly. And we get to see that bond initiated in front of our very eyes in the turbo lift. And I think it's very important when you think of all the past canon and all the episodes of Spock and his character development that this started right here. And I think his growth as a member of the uh, Enterprise crew started because of that relationship with number one. And we get to see it start right here. Well, you know, in short, in manners, vegetable, animal, and mineral, she is the very (laughs) model of a Starfleet first officer. Wow. I wanted you to do that whole thing. (laughs) I actually could. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you could. Yes. (laughs) What else you got, man? Um, Well, let's see. uh, Since, uh, you know, we're going to segue right into it. um, My next like has to go to the greatest patter song of all time. Um, A a patter song is something that you find typically in operettas of of the time, which usually is at a very staccato rate with very crisp enunciation. And my favorite all-time Gilbert and Sullivan operetta, hands down, is the Pirates of Penzance. I know every song, and I've heard them at least hundreds of times. So to hear that this is Una's thing, and I am the very model of a modern major general, uh, just spoke to me in ways that I could not have imagined in Star Trek. I thought it was just a wonderful, delightful moment. And uh, I think that it pushed this short trek over the top. I found myself smiling during that scene when she was singing that, looking at my wife going, wow, this is really something. I'm not someone who knows the lyrics by heart. I believe it was done in in a TNG episode with Jordy, if I'm not mistaken, in um, Disaster, maybe? I'll have to double check that. I think that's right. But uh, I think that took place. But it it was great to see that. And it was something that was unexpected, but in a way that really could be appreciated, I think, by the viewers. So, yeah, I'm going to have to start learning the the lyrics to that one, I think. (laughs) You're probably going to quiz me. Um, On that note, one of the things that I liked a lot about this episode, which I think a lot of people might have a problem with, because I've seen some some things on on Twitter, was Spock's outburst of laughter. I really liked that because it was unexpected. It was a shock. We've seen him smiley, smile before, which we've talked about already with the flowers and Talos 4. He smiles at the beginning of this episode. So we see that emotion that people may not used to be used to. And he actually sings a little bit here also before he guffaws, as I as I put it in my notes. And it's refreshing to see that because so many people have always been of the, he's a Vulcan um, and he's not supposed to act this way. He's half human and he does act this way. He did have a motion. Uh, he showed them as a child and he showed them in the early part of TOS. So I think it was great for them to show this. Some people have said, well, you know, he's doing it in front of someone he just met who's a superior officer, and that shouldn't have happened. I totally disagree. Well, what is it that Michael tells him in Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, the season finale for Star Trek Discovery? She essentially says, you know, I'm not going to be there for you anymore in the future, so find that person. So here he is just on board the Enterprise. He meets Commander Una. They're in this prolonged situation for an extended period of time. And she shares something about herself Mm -hmm. that she doesn't tell other crew members. This is her thing. This is the thing that she tucks away from everybody else. And that she's given something of herself to Spock. And that's something that Spock respects and appreciates. And I think that it helps him feel a bond with her as a human 
uh, earlier than he might have. I think he's he trusts her probably as a result of this. And it spoke to his human side. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an experience I'm sure he didn't expect to have. And so it is disarming. It is kind of, it catches him and us off guard, which I think is the beautiful part of the scene. Yeah. And, and f- for Una, I would expect that she feels kind of vulnerable once she's doing that. Um, and I think that's something that helps strengthen that bond where she realizes that he appreciates what she's doing and actually does something that's very unvulcan like in response. I thought that was really great. Um, another thing that I really appreciated about this episode, Bill, was the score. And I got to give kudos, and I'm probably going to get the name incorrect uh, pronunciating it. Nami Melumad, Melumad um, is the first woman in 53 years and 760 hours plus of Star Trek to do the music for an episode. That's pretty unbelievable to, to realize. I know it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't a purposeful thing, but um, I think that based on the score, we probably want to have her do some more because it was beautiful. Oh, without a doubt. The score was, I think one of the, the best parts of this. I read parts that, you know, people thought that the the score, cause it was supervised by Michael Giacchino, who of course did the Kelvin universe uh, scores and also lost and, and so many other great, great compositions. Um, they thought it, it channeled too much of, of his work. And to that, I say, that's just rubbish. Um, I thought it was a beautiful score that fit the piece. And I got to tell you, the Gilbert and Sullivan piece was hands down the shining moment of the entire episode. Plus you get little nods to the TOS theme. You get the fanfare. I thought it was beautiful. So, uh, hats off to her. It's about damn time. And she really knocked it out of the park. It was a wonderful score. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to give one more uh, uh, quick like before your final one, and then I'll give my final one. And uh, oh no, this is actually my final one because I'm uh, I'm going out of order here. So yeah, um, the subtle way that Pike knew that number one already knew who Spock was when he came on the bridge. I really thought that was great. How he's like, so uh, is this the new boot? And she's just kind of like pretending to look through her pad, and you just the look on Pike's face. To me, he's like, you don't know what you're, you know what you're talking about. I just thought that was great and shows the great relationship that the captain has with his crew. I loved it. It, it really does. That scene, and also where she talks about how Pike is compl- you know, wholly unsentimental mm-hmm. with everything except horses. Um, I thought that was a beautiful piece of insight. Um, this is going to lead into my final point because I think that Michael Shabon uh, really understood the characters exceptionally well and demonstrated those relationships already. Nice. Yeah. So based on that, um, I think we both know how you felt about one of Michael's other short treks. So uh, talk about that for a second. Well, you know, uh, my last like is is definitely the writing of Michael Shabon in this in this uh, particular episode of Short Treks. It is no secret that I thought that Calypso, his Short Trek entry from last year, was the weakest of all of them uh, in last season. I stand by that. I think my criticisms of of Calypso were 100 valid. It's a beautiful story. It just wasn't Star Trek. And he purposefully wanted it to stand apart from the fabric of Star Trek, which he said mm-hmm. in interviews with SciFi.com. Uh, however, Michael really has written a story here that, unlike last year's outing, is real Star Trek, and it's beautiful. It pays respect and homage to these characters and adds something new that we didn't know we were missing. And I, I thought it was just exceptional from start to finish. So yeah, so if what we see here with this one episode, with this one short trek, is any indication of what we can look forward to with Star Trek Picard, 
I think we're all going to be really happy. I think we're going to be happy anyway. But seeing what Michael did with this one, and as the showrunner of Picard, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that show, man. You know, he gave great care and feeding to these three characters that we've known for for ages in just 14 minutes. I can't wait to see what he does with 10 episodes of Star Trek Picard. I think it's going to be pretty special. Absolutely. Well, although we had so many things that we liked about this short trek, there was at least one, and you could probably call one and a half things that really wasn't something that I I liked uh, uh, with with Q and A. So I'll I'll just say it right out, man. I cannot stand the turbo lift visuals in Discovery and in this episode. I just uh, we've seen them several times now, and each time we see it, I dislike it even more. Um, I, the best way I can describe it is I look forward to the day that Pike decides to shake things up on the Enterprise like he did with the hollow filters and just scrap it so we don't have this stupid-looking roller coaster lift. And and I, I just can't stand it. It looks ridiculous. It looks like it's a waste of space. It, uh, you know, they're, they're showing it from the exterior, and it's going up and down and sideways. What happened to, like, gravity in the turbo lift if it's going upside down aren't people going to be falling up and out i just wanted to go back to the turbo lift shafts that we're used to seeing in tos and beyond and be done with it but inertial dampeners dan come on now (laughs) come on now Um, why didn't you just transport out of there oh we're talking about that in a minute uh i'd like to call this the wonka lift system Uh, because seriously that's how that turbo lift mechanism looks to me it's like something out of willy wonka on the chocolate factory forget the fact that design makes absolutely no sense I mean, the ship just truly is not big enough for what they've painted as a picture, and it is thoroughly distracting. Um, For what you said, I mean, the whole up and down and around, but they show this sort of cavernous inside where there's nothing, and there just isn't that much space in the saucer for that to occur. So this is just a – I don't know what direction visual effects was given, um, but this is a clear miss. This is one of the, it, it bugs me about discovery. It bugs me about this short track. Um, if, if we see other versions of star Trek with this, it's going to drive me absolutely batty. But, um, this just shows that nobody did their homework on that one. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the, um, the scene in one of the Harry Potters where they're on that roller coaster thing to go down into the bank, into the yeah. vaults, Gringotts bank. It, it just doesn't make sense. And what you just said is perfect. It's too big for what we're seeing. I mean, you've got the saucer section, which is only a couple of decks. You've got the, the neck of the enterprise and then you've got the secondary hell. I, yeah, it's not like there, it's not like the, um, the engine room in the star Trek Kelvin timeline movies that were taken, that were filmed at a, a brewery. It's it, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. The inside of the enterprise saucer is not a TARDIS. And that's yeah. what this it, it turbo lift system makes it seem like mm-hmm. um, it, it is probably the one thing that is not true to, the way it's supposed to be. It's grandiose. You know, it's, it's fun. It's a great visual. I, I will say it's done very well. It just is completely wrong. and doesn't fit. I, I have to agree. Uh, the other thing, the other thing that I put down as a dislike isn't really about the episode itself. It's just simply, I want more. I want more of this. This is the perfect reason, the perfect reason why we need a Pike television series. We need to learn about these relationships. And like we talked before, if Michael Chabon has even a touch of an idea of how to tell these stories, he needs to tell the people at CBS to get on getting a Pike series because it has to be done. I, I just I just can't wish for that enough. He needs to tell Alex Kurtzman and Kurtzman needs to stop teasing us. 
exactly. um, uh, this past week. And he's like, oh, you guys want a Pike series? Yeah, that sounds interesting. And then you find out that uh, this weekend they've also uh, built out some space at the new CBS stages in Toronto, in addition to the sets they have for Discovery at Pinewood. Right. So, and it just, I feel like he's messing with us on purpose. Um, I don't, I don't know if they're going to announce a Pike series. Um, if they are, he's not being very coy. He's, he's being incredibly coy about it, but, <laughs> but, uh, not very genuinely. Um, I have one other dislike that I want to add, like right on the fly. So, yes. um, and that is, it's not the episode itself, but it's the empty criticism of the episode. Uh, today you and I have seen a, a variety of comments that said, why didn't they beam them out of the turbo lift? And, um, the answer is, um, because they didn't. Um, if that's what you're focusing on, you know, the fact that they just didn't beam them out of the turbo lift and they sat there for hours, um, then you really missed watching a great episode of short treks. Uh, There are plenty of instances in Star Trek where the transporter could have been used and was not. Why? Because it told a better story that way. And that's really what this is about. Um, when Ben Finney (laughs) was, was hiding in engineering, why didn't they just beam him into the brig? And uh, it was at court martial, I believe it is. Right. Or in Space Seed, when Khan attacks Kirk in engineering, why didn't they just beam Khan into, I don't know, outer space? There you go. Um, wow, that's harsh. Or uh, or let's look at Next Generation with Starship Mine. At the very end, when Picard is calling the base, asking for them to shut down the Baryon sweep, he's stuck there like in the last couple of meters of, of 10 forward. Instead of saying, shut down the Baryon sweep, he should have said, beam me the hell out of here. Right. It, people have to always find a reason to bitch about something. That's the way I've kind of started to look at it. And you're absolutely right. If they had done that, okay, they, the short track would have been four minutes and seven seconds instead of 14, and we would have missed a story. There's so many movies and episodes of television where you could say, why didn't they just do this? It would have saved them or something like that. People aren't getting the idea. We're trying. They're trying to tell a story here, people. And if you're going to use instances of that, you're absolutely right. They're not focusing in on the story. They just want to complain about something. And it's so infuriating as a fan to see this from people. And you have to un- you have to wonder when you hear things like this if there's just ulterior motives. Well, yeah, it, it's a hollow criticism. It's a lazy criticism. Let's be honest. There are plenty of times where we've been critical about Star Trek, whether it's, you know, the series that have come before Discovery or even Discovery itself. Anybody that listened to the Such Sweet Sorrow episodes of Discovering Trek knows that the finale wasn't our favorite part of the season. Right. And we had some pretty honest criticisms about it. But if your criticism of this episode is based on the fact that the two primary characters in the episode were not beamed out of the turbo lift, I'm sorry, that's lazy criticism and you shouldn't be making judgments on this episode. And to pile onto that a little bit more, part of those criticisms that we've seen is, well, even if they didn't do it, they could have said why. No, they really didn't have to. No. We talked about it before. We want the short trek to have as much information packed into it about the story as possible. So even just having a couple of seconds of dialogue about something that doesn't have anything to do with the story is a waste of time in my mind and just not needed. And people need to think a little bit higher than that. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, people will always say, well, there could have been a line of dialogue. None of these people have ever written for television. Um, None of these people are ever going to write for television. And it brings to mind for me another Gilbert and Sullivan song (laughs) from another one of their operettas, HMS Pinafore. And it's called Never Mind the Why and Wherefore. The details in this instance don't matter. It doesn't, uh, could they have beamed them out? Could they have, I don't know, rerouted, whatever? It doesn't matter. 
we got a story about two characters and we learned a lot about these two characters. There are some key details here that really paint inside some of the lines that we've already seen drawn. And that's what's important about the episode. This week's episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you, of course, by Fansets, the exclusive sponsor for the Star Trek Discovery Companion. You know, as always, we love to talk about their amazing line of pin collectibles and products because, well, they're simply the best in the industry. When you place an order on fansets.com, you can be supremely confident that you're getting the best products, the best prices, and hands down, the best customer service around. And and they're on the ball, too, I got to say, buddy, because I love the fact that we're getting new short treks now. And I especially love the first one because it's all about number one and Spock because Fansets is going to be releasing some new Discovery pins in the very near future. And two of them happen to be, oh, Discovery Season 2 Spock in his Enterprise blue tunic, or now we could call it the short Trek version of Spock, if, <laughs> if you will. And also Commander Una, also known as number one. Uh, from the good old Enterprise. So two awesome Discovery pins right in line with what we just saw in Short Treks. How awesome is that? In addition to Discovery fans, uh, uh, pins, I should say, you can look forward to seeing Discovery Season 2 Commander Nan and Discovery Season 2 Michael Burnham showing up at fansets.com in the coming months. So lots of Discovery pins are going to be coming out very soon. And I, for one, am very excited about that. So this means you got to go over to Fansets, put a bunch of stuff into your shopping cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter the current discount code FUTURE. That's F-U-T-U-R-E in all capital letters to get you 15% off your entire order at fansets.com. Now, don't forget, this code is going to be available to use until Halloween night. That's October 31st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. We are Star Trek. And as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. Long-range scan of planet complete. Bill, I have a feeling that this long-range scan is going to be quick <laughs> because, after all, it's a short trek. <laughs> so uh, um, what's next? Uh, we're going to give our thoughts now on what we see in our long-range scan. And for me, this short trek, along with what we saw in Season 2 of Discovery, like I said just a few minutes ago, proves to me that a Pike series is needed. The cast, the sets, the stories, they cry for another series taking place on the Enterprise. There's still several years before Pike's accident. And there are so many possibilities regarding those relationships and exploring and solidifying the time between Pike and Kirk's commands. So I do foresee that a Pike series will happen. I just don't know when. Uh, but why spend the money building those sets for two episodes in a 15-minute short track, man? <laughs> I, I don't disagree whatsoever. I don't really have a long-range scan per se. Uh, because this is a short trek, I tend to look at these as sort of standalone instances of of Star Trek that may or may not tie into anything. And it's hard to see if this one ties into anything because, well, one, like you said, we don't know if there's going to be a Pike series or not. We hope there is. We hope with everything we got that there is. But we also know that what's in the future for these characters at some point down the road. So it's kind of hard to to pin a, you know, a long-range scan on this one. Um I do agree that why spend all that money to build, you know, the the bridge set uh, for, you know, two episodes and, and a 15 minute short trek um, and redress the discovery corridors for, you know, the other scenes if they're not going to build the series. Um, I, th I think it's, I wish it happens with all my heart. I, I hope it happens um, because I think they have some perfect people in place to do it. Uh, my long range scan is Alex Kurtzman stops messing with us. 
(laughs) (laughs) Time will tell. So, Bill, we just get finished watching the first short trek of the season. And another one, short trek number two, will be dropping in just a couple of days. I I, I think that means we're going to be sitting here to talk about it really, really soon. Uh, You got that right, Dan. Short trek number two, entitled The Trouble with Edward, will be available on CBS All Access in the United States on Thursday, October 10th. So we will be back very soon to talk about it. From what I understand, there are going to be a lot of tribbles. A lot of tribbles. And that uh, could be very interesting. Until then, of course, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content you're not going to get anywhere else, and get raw audio of our podcasts along with so many other perks, Dan. Speaking of Patreon, we want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are so thankful for their support. Thank you to Ken Tripp, Casey Shasky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Holloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Corey Stone, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks. Well, folks, that is it for us and our discussion on Short Trek's Q&A. I think it's safe to say that this is my favorite Short Trek of them all so far and look forward to the next five that will be coming out over the next few months. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter to let us know what you thought about the episode and Discovering Trek as well. We thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe. And we look forward to sitting down again soon to talk more about The Trouble with Edward. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Mr. Spock. It is the lot of man to strive, no matter how content he is. And until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks. Executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com.